as we are doing another George Alabama Sports Live show here on this beautiful Monday evening, Martin Luther King holiday. Hope everyone had a safe and warm weekend as we had a lot of bad weather last week. Got a great show in store for you today. Um, we have Jonathan Gordon, the head coach of the Calvary men's basketball program, who got a big win this past weekend against a team that made it a pretty decent run last year in the playoffs in Konos. And they had a guy that put a 50-piece nugget meal uh, on Konos and Tyler Freeman. We'll talk with uh, Jonathan Gordon. Richard, you were there for that. And then we also have Rex Castillo of WRBL, a Houston Texans fan, knows all things NFL, college football. I didn't think of a better guy and a good friend of mine to have on than Rex Castillo. Richard, how are you? Hope you had a great weekend. We had a lot of fun on Saturday. I went up to Atlanta. Sandy Creek had a big game against Pacelli. Called that. Stayed the week in Atlanta. Had some fun and then uh, decided to come back home Sunday. And now we're here Monday as we're talking some awesome at sports that are happening around the Tri-City area. Oh, I've had a very good weekend, uh, by the way, Thrift. It, it was just incredible. Uh, Calvary, we witnessed history. Uh, Noah Shelton made his debut on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. We called a good game. And uh, what an incredible atmosphere. Calvary Christian, Tyler Freeman making history. And we also started out Friday. I went to the River Dragons game. They got the win over Elmira. They won on Saturday. Uh, I swung by Saturday afternoon and caught some Columbus State basketball. And then uh, yesterday, I was just in front of the couch uh, watching some NFL playoffs and <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. I did not see that coming. But, yeah, it's been a fun weekend so far, and uh, I can't wait to get this show started. I can't either. And uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and bring on our next guest here. Just wait one second. I did want to say we're going to be doing our rankings right after we talk with Coach Gordon. Um, so we'll do our our high school basketball rankings. Then we'll, I mean, excuse me, talk to Coach Gordon, then do our high school basketball rankings. And then we'll have on Rex Castillo as well. Um, so got a lot of stuff in store for you tonight. Make sure to stay tuned in. Actually, you know what? Let's do a teaser. How about this, Rich? Instead of doing yeah. the thing that everybody probably wants to tune in the most for, which is our new rankings for basketball, which we're going to do every week. We had one last week. Um, we're going to save that for the end of the show after our guest. So that makes you have to stay and listen to everything that we got going on today. And a lot happened. We we literally had Nick Saban retire in the middle of our show last week. So uh, who knows what's going to happen today. So stay tuned. You never know what could what nugget, uh, nugget that could drop. And if you missed Tom Callahan, we had him on last week. Um, he is the play-by-play -play announcer for the Columbus River Dragons. So we talked hockey. And then he was also, he works for Ignite Sports, who ran the Chat Hoots and the monsters and richard we had him on to give his feelings on it you also talked to steve smith who was a coach of the chattoos these past couple seasons you talked to him as well um so thank you to both those gentlemen and, and giving their thoughts and i know it was a tough decision to see that you won't will we will not have any chattoos or monsters games this summer um great basketball that played last week richard um really proud of all the teams and how they fanned out um, but without further ado, let's talking about high school basketball. Let's go ahead and bring him on. It is none other than a good friend of mine. And let's make sure his stuff's pulling up. And there he is, Jonathan Gordon. He is the head basketball coach at the Calvary Knights. I think we have a little bit um, some internet issues with you, Jonathan, because you're really you're kind of delayed. Can you hear me now? How's it, how's it now? We can't hear you. You just your video feed is just lagging a little bit, but we can hear you, Jonathan. 
Um, okay. So let's go. Let's go ahead and get into it. Hopefully that'll clean up here as we continue on. Um, Calvary, you t- you schedule some tough games, Coach, and we talked right. about this. You got a young team. You took some lumps in the road. Um, let's not focus on the negative. You, you went through the tough gauntlet. Yeah, you got to win against Edgewood, and then let's talk about this win against Konos. Um, I think it was a great confidence booster for your team, specifically a guy that you have a lot of stake in. No one else apparently did, which is Tyler Freeman. He put up 50 points. So, Coach Gordon, (laughs) talk about all those losses that led to a night like Saturday night, and what are you learning about your team? Well, um, first of all, I looked at, you know, the season that they had last year and some of the teams they played last year. And um, I figured with a young team, it's, it's, it would be the best. The best decision would be just throw them in the fire. Um, let them play against harder teams. Let them play against more experienced teams, teams with nine or ten seniors, and just let them get beat up. Let them get beat up. Let them take their losses. But I told them, you know, going into the region play, which is Calvary, is a little bit more comfortable in the gaps because that's, that's where they've been for, for a, a while. I told them, you know, don't let those losses be in vain. Like the, the playing against the Carver, playing against the Spencer, even the Shaw, um, playing against those experienced teams with athletes and um, with, with tough presses and all those things, take that, you know, learn from the bumps, learn from the bruises, uh, learn how they pressured on you, and let's pressure up, you know, the, the team that we have in gaps. So uh, the Konos game was really good for us. It's our first region game, first region win. Uh, I think we won by 33 points. Um, I think last year they only beat Konos maybe by eight or six, and Konos brought back the same team. Um, so with them practically the same team and us coming back with much team about 33 shows, you know, how far we've come as a team and how those games that, you know, that we lost in the, in the, uh, before region play really helped out. Coach, let's talk about Tyler Freeman. He had just an incredible night, uh, 50 points. Noah and I called the game. At what point in the game were you going to make the decision that that he's he's going to try to get this school record? The, the previous school record was 46. Uh, I'll be honest, I was losing track of keep trying to keep the score on the broadcast. And uh, he was in the 40s, and he finally got that buzzer right there to get 50. And then just the teammates just piled on him and you guys just were so excited and so happy for him and what was that moment like for him to get this great achievement and break the school record for most points scored in a game well i'll start with this um we have a new player named josh jackson who since he's coming to the program i've known i've known him because he, he played with me at Pacelli his freshman year but he's since he's coming to the program he's been a huge leader and that's something that our team was missing because we're so young we needed somebody that would step up and be a leader since he's been there, he's really t- taken Tyler under his wing um, and kind of allowed me to kind of take some pressure off of Tyler because I'm I'm really hard on Tyler. And I, I tell him all the time, the reason why I'm so hard on you, dude, is because I see the talent. Like, yeah, nobody else might not have seen it like I saw it, but I, I know what I see. I know I've seen way too many good basketball players, and I knew there was something there. It just had to be groomed. Um, he told me before this game, his, his career high was like 13 or 15 points. So I, wow. I knew it was in there. I knew it was in there. It's just as a coach, I try to instill confidence and then I try to push. Instill confidence and push. And I try to find a balance between the two to let him know, like, hey, what you're doing is not going to work. But if you keep working hard, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm only being hard on you because I see something in you. And so as much as I push him, I also re- reiterate that point. And so Josh sent the video. Uh, Kara Lawson, that coaches at Duke, she 
had a video about growth not being linear, how growth doesn't start low and it just goes high. There's moments where you hit a plateau, where you hit a rock bottom, and then you go back up. You hit a plateau, go hit, hit a rock bottom, and go back up. And that it's an up and down ebb and flow to growth. And so we talked about that before the game. Josh sent that video to our group chat. And I talked to Tyler, and I was like, look, man, your worst game of the season was against Shaw, which was the game before. He had his worst game of the season. And I told him, don't allow, don't allow that to dictate how you perform moving forward. Take that, learn from it, and move on from it. And so we talked about just because you had a bad game before doesn't mean your growth stops. Like, look where you came from and look where you are now and determine how far you've come and determine that growth. And so just for us to have that conversation and then him coming into the first quarter, I think he hit his first three, then he hit his first floater. And I could kind of tell from warm-ups that he was kind of in a rhythm. Like he was hitting every shot in warm-ups. He was kind of smiling. And I was like, yeah, he's loose. I would have never expected 50 points, though. I really – I thought he would have a pretty good game, maybe like 15, 18 points. But once he had like 18 in the first quarter, and then like he told me, he said, Coach, the goal feels like it's it's, it's grown two times. Like I feel like I can't miss. And so I, I told the team, once I realized he had 32 points going into the second half, I was like, we got to keep feeding him. Like I don't care if nobody else shoots. We're going to give him the record tonight. Um, And so everybody on the team was behind it. What people don't realize is that TJ Benson had 20 points, 13 assists, and 10 rebounds. Wow. So he actually had a triple-double that night, and he had most of his points in the first half because in the second half he was fully committed to feeding Tyler the ball. And so that's the kind of culture that I'm trying to build here at Calvary is that we do things for the team. It's not about uh, the individual. TJ could have easily had 40 points himself that game, but he sacrificed because he saw that his brother was having a great game. And so that's, that, a, that's you know that's a beautiful thing that we're building. I think that's an awesome point, Coach, and that's that's what the beauty of basketball. Um, and if you don't mind, uh, Coach, especially we're going to drop some of the rankings. We're going to do the boys first. I'd like to get a few of your commentary. Are you okay doing that? You can pretty much oh, yeah. cover high school basketball around here, so you can see our rankings you know, I, and I, give I keep your up with everybody, man. And keep up with and you can give your feedback. I know I said I was going to do it at the end of the show, but I was like, you know what? I really value. Uh, Coach Gordon's opinion, especially a guy that keeps up with high school basketball around this area. So we'll drop them here in just a second, though. Um, I did want to ask this last question before we get into that, Coach Gordon, is this. Um, looking at the gaps, right. Creekside obviously is a team that's going to be the favorite to win it all. They won it all last year in girls and boys. You're probably watching film on them now. Yeah. And you played them this week. You got Creekside yes, twice, you got at Konos, and you got Southland twice. Southland's in the gaps. You got also have Central um, of Talbotton, I think that is. Is that Talbotton yeah, or Macon? Southland's in GIAA. But, yeah, uh, GIAA. Central, the one, the Central team you're playing is in the GHSA, and then you got Creekside and Konos that are in gaps. Um, yeah. Do you think you, your team can be competitive in gaps from the teams that you've seen play? And what do you have to do to upend a team like Creekside that just seems like they want a championship after championship after championship? Right. So a lot of people, gaps. A lot of people look down on gaps because of the league that it is. And to be honest, there are some cupcake games in gaps for sure. Um, Creekside is not one. Um, Creekside has a six foot eleven uh, big man, Cedric Taylor. He's number ninety two in the country on ESPN Top One Hundred, um, and so he's going to be a handful. They also have a six eight shooting guard that um, that plays for the both of them play for the Swedish national team. Um, so they're going to be a tough a tough team to battle. Um, luckily, we do have the size to offset what they do. It's just going to take a really good game from Dylan Walsh. He's going to have to play. I told him, you're going to have to be locked in this week. 
Um, you're going to have to be locked in completely defensively because we're putting you on that kid and we're not, we can't help too much because they have shooters. Um, it's also going to take a good game from our point guard, you know, TJ Benson, our leading scorer, our leader. Um, and hopefully if we can get a night like, uh, like that from Tyler, we, we should be just, we could beat anybody. I'm sure. So it's going to take uh, a lot, but I believe that, you know, we can compete. I, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I don't back down anybody. I don't feel like we will lose to anybody until they beat us. So I'm not going into that game defeated. I'm watching film right now, trying to figure out, you know, where we can get our advantages and where we maybe can double um, and some things that we can do on offense to kind of up offset their size. But the thing is, here's the thing, and I told my team this, Creekside has seven players. If we can get them in three, three to four of them in foul trouble, that can shake up the game and that can make it really interesting. So we have a game plan going into it. Um, you know me, I'm watching film, I'm studying. And um, we'll be prepared when it, when the time comes on Thursday. Yeah, if you look at their, they're, they've had some good wins. They've beaten Grace Christian Academy out of Tennessee, Oxford, um, Blanche, Eli. They played some teams out of state. They have lost four in a row. Riverwood, Wilson Academy, Heritage, who, by the way, Pacelli plays on Tuesday. You know about Heritage. They're yeah, a really good GIAA team. And Matt Skidmore. Really yes. Riverwood's and really and they have a, uh, Riverwood has a Vanderbilt commit, and then they have a kid named J.R. Leonard that's, uh, has about twelve, about ten to twelve D one offers. Uh, the kid from the Vanderbilt commit is a he's, he's a real bucket. So I'm not surprised they lost to Riverwood because they got two guys that's averaging probably well over twenty five points a game. Heritage again, another GIAA favorite. They're, them and Pacelli go head to head on Tuesday and then they face again later on in the season at Pacelli. Um, but like I said, Calvary has to play Southland, um, which you have. Have you played them yet? I know the girls did. You have not played Southland boys. No, you I played Edgewood them. and Lee Scott. My God, and, yeah. So we'll uh we'll see what happens with the Calvary Christian Knights. You know, we're cheering for you, Coach Gordon. We'll be there when you sure. play on Creekside and when you play Southland later on this season. All right, let's go ahead and throw the rankings up and then we'll get Coach Gordon out here because I know we got Rex Castillo coming up next. We'll start with the boys and we'll do the girls after Rex. All right. Number 10, we'll go from 10 to 1. Number 10 is Brookstone Cougars. Coach Gordon, you played them. You upset them 71 to 70 after losing by 30 early in the season. Brookstone sure. is 10. I thought they were 10 and 6, Richard. Are they 10 and 6 or 8 and 6? At, I can look at Mass Press right now. I think they I, I think their record has, has went up. They played a couple more games, I think. Yeah, and this is based off of Max Preps, and that's why we stress that uh Max Preps needs to be updated. Yeah, so looking at Brookstone right now, Brookstone girls are eight and six. Brookstone boys, boys are ten and six. Ten and six like yeah. I said, so Brookstone boys, ten and six. Brookstone in the GIAA. I think, and I've talked with Coach Gordon. He's establishing a great culture there. His guys buy in. They play hard for him. I really like this Brookstone team a lot. They lost to Calvary by two. I mean, by one, Columbus High by two in overtime. They lost to Stratford at Stratford. By the way, Stratford, who Glenwood beat, just returned Khalil Green who was the yeah. leading scorer for last year. And, Jonathan, you remember him um, as you were an assistant coach with Pacelli. Uh, but he's back at Stratford. So that looks like Pacelli, Stratford, Khalil Green, Jadence Ford matchup may be happening in the state championship. They have won three straight um, since losing a Mount they selves. They did beat Glenwood by 16 at home. Lost to Hardaway pretty pretty handily. Um, but I, like I said, Coach, coach – uh, I can't I, Coach Ivy's I, done a great job with, with Brookstone. So number 10, Brookstone. Number nine, Shaw, 10, uh, 10 and 7. Number eight, Columbus, 12 and 6. And number seven, Hardaway. Uh, Richard, you didn't switch up the logos right there. It's okay because <laughs> the graphic looks good. Great job by Richard. And I, I 
Richard had it already set, and I kind of like put my input on it. Um, but Jonathan, we'll go with you first, then Richard. The first four I just talked about: seven Hardaway, eight Columbus, nine Shaw, ten Brookstone. You got a problem with that? Um, nah. I, I like I, I like I like where it is. Shaw's a pretty tough team. Uh, they're 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 pretty senior studded. I can't put them over Hardaway, obviously, because Hardaway beat them in the Christmas tournament. And, I, and but Shaw sure. did beat Hardaway on Friday, though, Jonathan, in did overtime. And wow. Yes, Shaw did beat them. But the reason we have Hardaway, Hardaway's played a much tougher schedule, in my opinion. Yeah. And they have lost to Cairo, Bainbridge, and now Shaw all by single digits. I know those are going to wow. end up turning into wins. They're a senior-led team. That's why I have them there. Columbus High, they're 12-6. and six. They're competitive. They're going to make the playoffs this year. And I yeah, Coach Ivy will. Senior, and then I think Shaw's going to make the playoffs. They'll be a three or four seed. And obviously Brookstone. So I think I think this is pretty fair. Yeah, I think I think Shaw, Columbus, and Hardaway are really interchangeable because I think on any given night, any of those teams can beat each other. Um, you know, I've trained one of the I used to train one of the Columbus players, uh, Robert. Uh, and then they have a six, what, six, eight, six, nine kid in the post and uh, Yeah, Oakley. Oakley Coons. Yeah, so I mean, that you can interchange any one of those three. Uh I think that they can all beat each other on any given night. But I think you got it right, man. As far as uh, Hardaway's strength of schedule. They probably have the hardest strength of schedule out of those three so far. And so uh, I'll probably put Hardaway over the top. Richard, what do you got? Any, any, well, I mean, this is your list too. This is mine and Richard's. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, list. we went through this list, Thrift, and uh, I put Carver three. Uh, I know they're no, undefeated, no, 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 but. No, we're not going Carver yet. We're just talking the first seven through 10, Richard. We, we ain't even got to six, five, four, three, two, or one. Just talking about seven through 10, Hardaway, Columbus, Shaw, and Brookstone. Well, it does make sense because all these teams have beaten each other. Columbus has swept Brookstone, so they would, by you know, would be ranked ahead. Uh, Shaw is ranked because of their strength of schedule. They're ranked ninth, and I, I have you know Hardaway. We both have Hardaway number seven because even though they're zero and three in the region, all three games have been one possession games. They lost to Westover on a buzzer beater. They lost to Shaw by one point in overtime, and. They lost. I, I want to say they lost to Cairo on. You know, it was like a one possession game. I mean, so Hardaway could easily be thirteen and five right now. Yeah, not Bainbridge. I didn't know they were zero and three in the reason. I got to yeah. push off them at that point. Then. Yeah. Well, yeah, the I reason mean, again for that, uh, Jonathan. They tough loss to Westover, tough loss to Cairo, and Westover and was the home game. Shaw and Cairo are on the road. I think they're going to end up. I'm not ready to move them yet, but they're interchangeable like you talked about. You could put Columbus yeah. at seven. That's where Richard had Columbus. He had Hardaway eight, Shaw nine, Brookstone ten. Those are all interchangeable teams, and I think you put them in a bracket together, any t any one of those four can end up winning a championship. All right, let's finish the rest of them um, real quickly. I want to say this real quick. If it's a week-to-week -week update, then I have to push Star over Hardaway right now because they won. You know, they won, and they're not 0-3 in the region. That's so no, that is that's, week, that is fair. Week, week update list, then you got to push Shaw in front of Hardaway at the moment because they won that last game and Hardaway's on a 3 on a, um, 0 3 losing streak. So, all right, I would move I, up Shaw. And I think that's a good point. All right, let's move on. Let's do the rest of them and, and get you out of here, Coach Gordon. Number six. Russell County, 13-5. and five. They didn't play Central, but this Russell County team much improved. Coach Battle, I like Russell County a lot. Now, they play in a tough region, as Richard has alluded to throughout the uh, us doing our shows these last couple of weeks. But I think Russell County and 6A of Alabama can be competitive, can maybe win a, a round or two in the playoffs. 13 and 5. Number 5, Glenwood, 17 and 6. The reason we moved them down, we had them in the top four last week, is because they got 
They got thrashed by Lee Scott. Now, Lee Scott's really good with Hayden Harper putting up 20 a game. Their second leading scorer putting up 15 and Ben Aldridge. We saw them, and everything just started tumbling down because Glenwood and Swag, they were leading in the first quarter, and then it just in that third quarter, they were only down one heading to halftime. And in that third quarter, it's like the Golden State Warriors of Lee Scott. They just obliterated them. And then after that, you know, you put in subs, and then it, it becomes worse than really what it was. But Glenwood, number five, because I think they have the second best chance in the AI saying, guys, when we do these rankings, I know we have a private school at five, but we are doing how talented you are. Just like in football, we're also doing best chance to win a championship in your respective league. And if that's the case, Glenwood has the second best chance behind Lee Scott to win a state championship. Number four, Spencer, they got to move, be moved up. They're 12-1. and one. I feel like they're going to go undefeated in region play. They may win. At, their loss, only loss of the season after the end of the regular season may be to Carver. That's how their schedule is easy, but that's not Coach Allen's fault, Quintavious Allen, that he plays in a region that a lot of teams are just subpar this year. Number three, Carver, they're undefeated. Everybody's like, how do you put an undefeated team behind a six-loss and a five-loss team? Only reason is, is you look at the schedule that Carver's played. If you look at Pacelli's schedule, they have played number one teams out of 1A, 5A, 7A, 6A, uh, they play top 10 teams. They play, of course, top teams from GIAA. That's why they're number one. Central, again, another tough schedule. They're number two. I know they had a heartbreaker to loss to Auburn. And then Carver, three. Coach Gordon, you go first, then Richard, and then we'll move on to Rex. That top six, you got any problems saying Pacelli is the best team in the Tri-City area? I mean, you know how I feel about Pacelli. I mean, I, I still have, you know, I still have blood and love there. Um, but as far as number six, I don't know a lot about Russell County. I know Coach Battle really well. Um, he used to train me some in high school, but I haven't kept up with them that much. What I what I will say is I hate that Alabama has not um, has not uh, passed the cross play rule yet, because I think it kind of it kind of hurts us for not being able to see a Russell County versus a Glenwood or a Central versus a Glenwood or a Smith Station versus a Glenwood because they haven't passed that rule where you AHS, AHSA can play AISA. And so I, I hate that we get we don't get to see those games because I think Glenwood has a pretty good team, man. I, I know that they don't have a lot of basketball players, but I don't think people realize how big their team is, just muscle wise. <laughs> like they have their whole starting lineup is over two hundred pounds of just muscle. So even though they don't, they might not have the talent that maybe a Russell County or a Central has, but man, it's gonna be hard to get offensive. It's gonna hard hard to keep them off of offensive boards because they're so strong. And uh, Swag obviously is a great point guard former point guard at Calvary. Um, he's just going to get better and better. I would love to see uh, Alabama, you know, break that crossplay rule so we can see those Glenwood versus Russell Counties and Glenwood versus Centrals. But I think Glenwood could, could compete with anybody, honestly. I mean, I think they're that, they're that physical. I wouldn't say they're that talented, but they're that physical to where they can compete with anybody. Um, and, and Coach Dusty does a really good job of utilizing their size to, uh, to, to capitalize on games. Um, he knows he doesn't have a ton of basketball players, but like I said, you win a lot of basketball games off rebounding, and it's it's hard to out rebound those guys. Um, Spencer, like you said, they might not have had the best schedule in the world, but uh, they're twelve and one. Um, they're winning games, and I mean, you only can play who is in front of you. And if they're winning games, you can't really take that from them. Um, and they played Carver tough. Um, that game could have went either way, depending on a, a player too. Um, Carver at, at number three. I have to agree with, with that because I have seen Carver's schedule. It's not the best. Um, again, they, they beat everybody that's in front of them. 
But uh, as far as Central and Patelli goes, man, their schedules are insane. I know Patelli's lost against Norcross, which is a top 20 team. They lost by like seven against Sandy Creek, who is a number three team and plays a national schedule um, every now and then. And so it's kind of hard, even though Carver's 16, you know, and I, shoot, I really respect Carver. I respect Coach Pembroke. That was my favorite coach growing up. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for his program and for what he does and uh, his players. But I can't put them over Central and Pacelli because of the um, because of the strength of schedule that they've had. Again, I hate the that Alabama hadn't, hadn't done the cross play rule because it, it 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 kills us that we can't see a Central versus a Carver or a Central versus a Pacelli because I mean I think that would be great for the city, um, but because of the rules they can't do it right now. And so hopefully, if Alabama's listening, please pass the cross play rule so we can see those games. Yeah, I think all everything you just said was a great point, Richard. Um, let's go ahead. If you don't mind, Richard, we'll finish up our conversation with this because I know we got another guest on. Um, but thank you, Coach Gordon. And I, I agree with you. Carver's got a big one against Monroe, who's ranked yeah, top three in so, 3A. And so if they were able to beat them, we'll be there on Friday. Obviously, Carver's got to start getting moved up. And then they also got to play Daugherty. They, got, they play in a tough region. So they, especially if they beat Monroe, Sandy Creek also is a 3A school. Pacelli lost two by seven. And if that few shots hit here or there, by the way, Jaden's forward 33 points on a team that's a favorite to win it again this year after winning last year in Sandy Creek. Uh, Jaden's forward just 33-46 against Lee County. I mean, my God, just putting up incredible numbers. But, Coach Gordon, good luck this week. You got a game against Community Christian, and then you got a at home on Tuesday, and then on Friday you got a big one on the road at Creekside. So good luck the rest of the way, or that's Thursday, excuse me. Good luck the rest of the way, Coach, and uh, you know we'll be cheering for you, and we'll be there sometime uh, later on in the season with Southland and, and Creekside. I appreciate it, man. One more thing: if Carver does beat uh, Daughtery, what is it, Daughtery and Monroe? Monroe, yep. Daughtery and Monroe. I got to move them up on the list, man. You got to move them on. The list. They take they take those two down. You got to move them up. We will. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll talk to Thanks, you later, Coach, Coach Gordon. And we'll uh, right, be cheering for you. Tough. All right, that is Coach Gordon of the Calvary Christian Knights. Rich, I know you did get to. I just want to get his thoughts on it real quick, and then we'll bring back up the rankings and we'll go more in depth uh, with me and you more back and forth. But I got to bring on our next guest because he's been waiting in the green room very patiently. A guy I salute, and I knew he was going to be wearing it when I called his name. We and Richard were sitting there today, and I'm like, all right, I, we're going to have Coach Gordon on to talk high school basketball, but it's NFL time. There's not a guy that I know that loves the NFL more. And by the way, it's the biggest storyline other than the Green Bay. It was the biggest storyline, and then the Green Bay Packers decided to go obliterate the Dallas Cowboys. But it's Rex Castier, formerly of WRBL News 3 Sports Director, now is the morning anchor, lead anchor. Rex, thank you so much for joining George Alabama Sports Live again. Hey, man, no, it's all good. I was really, really enjoying the conversation y'all are having with Coach. Um, you know, at the same time with these rankings, they're, they're tough because they change week by week. One team I, I got a phrase up as well is Auburn High. I mean, look, they're a team that, that also took down Central, double overtime, won 12 yep. in a row. That, that's a team that's also deep as all get out. Talking with Coach Brandt uh, up there in, uh, in Auburn, they were our athletes of the week, I believe, last week. He's got seven guys that can drop 12, 15, 20 points, and so they're deep. They're, they're a team that's always well-disciplined, play well with each other. They can win in ever, a variety of ways. But to the NFL, I'm doing almost as good as uh, C.J. Stroud was doing, even though he didn't have to play the entire game with three touchdowns, 274 passing yards, and slam dunk surefire rookie of the year. Yeah, 
No question about it. And real quick about what you think about Auburn. We just didn't put them and Lee Scott in there, uh, Rex, because we, we were trying to do the teams that we covered in our media day that we did. And there was about 18 because obviously if we did the teams we did in the in the fall league um, at Pacelli, Auburn played in that. And they would be number one, in my opinion. Adam okay. Gonya, Pearson, Fletcher, they got a ton of talent. But we didn't put them or Lee Scott. That's the only reason not. But I'm glad you brought them up because Coach Brandt and the Auburn Tigers, along with Hoover, and there's another school I'm leaving out right now, um, are favorites to win it all in 7A. But let's talk about C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Rex. I was leaning towards, and maybe I was influenced by Bill Simmons. I, don't, I know you know who that is. He really was high, and a lot of people were, on that Browns defense. And if Joe Flacco, who played pretty decently, oh, up yeah. top 15, top 10 quarterbacks the last four or five weeks of the season, if he had a really good game against a young Houston team with that Cleveland defense, we the Ravens back in 2012, I, I thought maybe the Browns could make it all the way to the conference championship. You had none of that. A lot of it has to do with C.J. Stroud, but the defense. Let's go there first, and then we'll go to Stroud because that's the obvious. But let's talk about the defense and Coach D'Amico Ryans. In your wildest dreams, did you think something like this was possible, not only making the playoffs and winning the division, but dominating as well? I was telling my coworkers and everyone who would listen, Rex, what do you want out of this team? I don't need a Super Bowl champion. I don't need a playoff team. I don't need a winning team. I just need a competent team. I wanted a team that looked like they knew how to play NFL football. I didn't get that last year with Davis Mills and whatever we got. We got more than that. With C.J. Stroud, I was running around through my house up and down and, you know, bless my poor fiance because I'm sure her hearing went out for a few minutes. <laughs> but when they drafted C.J. Stroud, I actually wanted him more than Bryce Young. I get the, the, the appeal of Bryce Young. Believe me, I was able to cover him on the sidelines. There was something different about C.J. He was smart. He was confident. He was intelligent. He was capable. And that game against Georgia, against that specific defense, I know dog fans don't want to hear it. And I don't know that a lot of Auburn fans or Georgia rivals have been saying it since they, as long as the, the day is long. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is in that game with C.J. Stroud, I don't know if Georgia goes and wins back. I'm 100% with you. So C.J. Stroud was the guy. Now that defense, we trade up to get Will Anderson Jr. I'm like, this is a D'Amico Ryan's team. You get the linebacker, the dude with the intensity, and who's a – freight train coming in there. D'Amico's a guy who it's so different when it's kind of like, you know, uh, Steve Spurrier going back to Florida to, to, to coach the Gators. It's just different when you have that true connection to the actual program. D'Amico was our captain. D'Amico was the guy over J.J. Watt to lead the defense. And when guys like Cushing, Andre Johnson, J.J. Watt, right. everyone in the mother, who, these greats that we have for the Houston Texans said, you got it right. That's what we were missing. That's what we were missing with the connection with the vets in the city because there was a point where, all right, we're just going to be like the old – like for those of you who are growing up in this new age of Clipper basketball, there was a way – there was a – back in the day, the Clippers were literally there just to collect tickets, and they were like dollars a ticket. That's right. what it felt like. But now we have a we have a culture, a city, a team, and a, just a brand-new life to this entire thing. Joe Flacco is a storybook ending. Unfortunately, his chapter ended, and I was very nervous because, again, Miles Garrett is an alien. I don't know how I'm the same species as that human being. <laughs> but Larry, look, look, Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss got to give a shout out to the almost Revs because that dude they locked him down and they were able to move the pocket. CJ, it looked like he was in his seven, sixth or seventh year in the league. 
it was amazing. Yeah, it was. And I, I was so thrilled to see what happened with the Houston Texans. Just for you solely, uh, Richard. Yeah, Rex, uh, the Houston Texans history, I mean, we've had good coaches that had good quarterbacks that have made the playoffs, like Gary Kubiak. Matt Schaub made the Pro Bowl when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien had some success. He had four playoff appearances. But it seems like the last couple of years, the Houston Texans have fallen on hard times, especially when they had two head coaches in the last two years, one-and-done coaches with Levy Smith and David Coley. They had a 4-13 and season and a 3-13-1 and season, and the franchise just looked like Deshaun Watson was going to set them back. But they make, really, a trade where they just gift-wrap Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. Cleveland gave up way too much draft picks to get Deshaun Watson out of town. And, Rex, i got to say, home run hire getting D'Amico Ryans, the former defensive coordinator for the 49ers, former Alabama player. He played at Houston. He was a perfect fit. And I hope, hopefully, he's going to be the Houston Texans coach for a while because, you know, there's possible talks that he could be interested in the Alabama coaching job. But I, I love the quarterback-coach combination. If you get the quarterback and the coach right, you can have success. And I believe they nailed the quarterback position with C.J. Stroud and they got the coach right with Coach D'Amico Ryans. And I think you're absolutely right. Worked in New England, didn't it? And I was very, very nervous when the Alabama job came open. I was like, uh, guy, I was telling everybody in Houston, I'm like, guys, don't be. Alabama has a lot of money, and D'Amico played at Bama, and you know, there's there's total domain over that. But I think he's found his rhythm. Um, thank you for reminding me of the absolute, you know, heart attack and heartache that was the past two seasons. But yeah, you, you don't get the number two pick or the number three pick when you play well. Um, I think though, this was a team that was completely on a, a downward spiral. You have to remember that Andre Johnson straight out called called out the uh, the organization, said like this guy Jack Easterby is ruining the culture, and Andre never talks. He he's not one of these guys. He was very much go out there, do your job. I'm, I'm gonna go home, and other than punch Cortland Finnegan in the face, but you know it's <laughs> it's one of the when he called out the organization, and then JJ Watt called out the organization. They had to they had to clean house, and I think they did it beautifully. And I Richard, when you said you get the head coach and the quarterback right. I made a joke about it early, but like, look at New England when they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. That was an unstoppable force. And at this point, I think wherever we go from here is icing on the cake. Most likely, we're going to play either Baltimore or Buffalo. So God help me. And but it's it's one of those things where we have seen for the first time in a long time the light. And I'm not afraid to admit it because everyone knows it. Houston kind of plays the little brother to Dallas and the, the Cowboys with the legacy that they have. But now. You know, we're the one team in Texas standing. Yeah, exactly right. And it's also nice to see the Cowboys just get demolished. Um, and, and we'll continue on as uh, we are uh, the Bills and the Steelers. They're playing right now. The Bills are winning. Um, we expect them to win. And then coming up tonight here in a little bit, um, we have the Eagles and Buccaneers. Um Let's continue on in the NFL. Great job again for the Texans getting a big win. And now you're playing with house money because you play the number one team. You lose the Ravens. You're supposed to lose. If you don't, that's even more confidence booster to make it to the conference championship. And, heck, if you make it the conference championship, we've seen it before. I think you can make it to the Super Bowl. We've seen crazier things happen these last couple of seasons. The Chiefs dominate the Dolphins. Packers dominate the Cowboys and Lions beat the Rams. Where do you want to start first? Well, I guess we'll start with Chiefs and Dolphins. That was the same day as your Texans. Mm -hmm. 
their defense came up big. Offensively, they're struggling, but if their defense plays like this, uh, I think the Chiefs could, again, win another Super Bowl. There's still a lot of talent. Uh, are you still, like, you know, wishy-washy on the Chiefs? I guess it depends on who they play. How do you feel about them? Early on, I kind of was just because you see how Patrick and everybody was didn't have a rhythm. You have the wide receivers you can't catch. But the thing is, and Jack kind of made this joke earlier when we kind of did segments like this um, with Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. Is 15 breathing? Yes. Can he play? Yep. Go Chiefs. That's really what it is, guys. It's one of those things that as long as 15 is out there and he breaks his helmet, they, they have a shot. Now, with the defense, I have to give – yeah, they, they found a new gear. Chris Jones is an absolute monster of a problem. You look at what the – I know a lot can be said of the playing in the Arctic Circle that was Kansas City. But, you know, credit to them what they did. Tyreek Hill was still on that team. He was a guy that that, that was his home field. It was a homecoming for him. And all those weapons that Miami has, like the Chiefs, along with the elements, but they executed. And Patrick Mahomes, gosh, if, like if you could just get – a veteran wideout who wants to win a ring. Like I'm immediately thinking if D hop goes there, that's going to be a problem or D hop can come back to Houston, but you know, correct, credit to what the chiefs are doing. They look like, again, I throw a agree with you as long, as long as they're playing, as long as 15's breathing, why not? Let's see what happens. I think the chiefs can go the run into the, they may run into the bills again. And then there's Lamar Jackson, who's an absolute cheat code. You know, you look at that, but how happy I'm also really happy for the city of Detroit. What a, what a time it is to be in Michigan not only with the national chance for right. Wolverines, um, and then you also have the Detroit Lions winning for the first time in three years. Like uh, a buddy, well, Chuck Williams, his grandson uh, lives in Michigan. That's where his daughter and his son-in-law live. He's a uh, he's a young boy in a Lions onesie right now. And then there's you know he has a uh, family members who are Michigan who are under the age of ten. Everyone's like, you have never known pain. You have no idea what it's been like to be a Lions fan through all of this. So happy for the the city of Detroit. You know, Matthew Stafford was great, but like I think the Lions are kind of looking like a team of destiny at this point and a rebirth of Jared Goff. That's incredible. So really interested to see how this whole thing with Buffalo and and Philly turns out. But also, Richard, your Niners look like an absolute juggernaut. Now I'm still worried about them playing the Packers because <laughs> yeah, you. Jordan Love looked like Aaron Rodgers last night. Yeah, he looked amazing. Uh, the This Dallas defense, it, and you being from Texas, so you hear about the Cowboys all the time, uh, they got like taken behind the woodshed. Uh, the Packers just, they had no answers for the Packers offense. Aaron Jones with three rushing touchdowns. Uh, Dallas's defense got exposed. It, it was a coaching mismatch. It, I just, I'm stunned because there's a lot of Cowboys fans. You've heard of them, Rex, that said, this is our year. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had a number two seed because they beat up on a lot of bad teams. But when they played the good teams, they struggled. And so they got a behind early. Dak threw a couple of interceptions. When he made that pick six, and it was up 27 to nothing, the Packers at halftime, it, it was just over. And now the 49ers get to play those same Packers. And even though they're a 10-point favorite, I'm still a little nervous and you know, the Packers are just one of those hot teams that they are peaking at the right time. And really, it's a testament to how good Green Bay is and really not the Cowboys, once again, another postseason blunder. All right, so all the trolling, there, there's a lot that I could just, you know, if you look at any social media that I have, I'm kind of pedal to the metal with that because of Houston and Dallas. But to be honest with you, I'm, I was completely floored. I, I'm with everybody here. Like, that made absolutely no sense. That Dallas Cowboy team that showed up was a shell of itself. Maybe this is the ceiling for Mike McCarthy. Dan Quinn looked like, you know, he found a new career. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like Atlanta fans were like, yup, 
Remember that guy. I don't, I never understood. I don't get it. I don't understand how CD lamb and Dak who were on basically the same page, the entire season fell apart like that. But what's interesting about this entire off season, Bill Belichick's a free agent, Antonio yep. Pierce. I don't know why the Raiders haven't hired him yesterday, but Antonio Pierce is still apparently out there in the universe who could be hired. Dallas and Jerry Jones, who's in his 80s now, I mean, like at this point, you got to make a massive splash hire. Mike McCarthy was the good transition from what things were going on, and he, you know, he rebirthed like Dak's offense, made him look good, and he needed a guy with an offensive mind when post Zeke. But you have a lot of guys who are free agents now. Tony Pollard being chief among them, and a lot of guys on the line. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, in in general, I'll say this on record. The NFL product is also good when the Cowboys are out there because you need a villain. But in general, like my future mother-in-law is a Cowboys fan, and I see how much pain is going on. And in the state of Texas, it's it's tough. I don't understand what went on. And they won – Richard, they won 16 games at home. That's yeah. a full – that's practically a full season. Undefeated. A, yes, two years. Unreal. What are you doing? Like, did everyone forget the wrong cleats? they just like, you know what, all right, cool. We, we did the regular season. I I, I don't understand it. Now they did bring up an excellent point that um, I think it was like on first take or the post game that it feels like a performance. There is so much pressure when you wear the star on the side of your helmet that you need to perform rather than just play ball. You bring a guy like Belichick in there who says four words, a press conference does not care about the glitz and glamor. He'll smile maybe once every Thursday. He's a guy though. When you bring him in, it's all about ball. It's 100% cool. Let Jerry Jones talk. Let Dak talk. You want to talk about me? We're on to Cincinnati. Like, that's what you get out of him. And maybe you need to return to that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I want to pick it back real quick on this. When you're looking at the Dallas Cowboys and seeing the blunder that has happened with them year in and year out, it it, it doesn't make sense. It, it defies logic, gentlemen, because as talented as this team has been, especially that 07 year, which they lost to the Giants, who I know end up upsetting the, the 16 and 0 Patriots, but you, you couldn't even make the conference championship then. 2009, you finally win a playoff game to get blown out by Minnesota. 2011, 12 and 13, all lose week 17 matchups to even get into the playoffs. 14, you had the catch rule against Green Bay. Should have happened. They would have won that game. 16, you get upset against Aaron Rodgers and a depleted Green Bay team who gets up getting blown out by Atlanta. You were the number one seed, didn't win that. And then these past couple seasons, just been a it's been bad for them. And I, I can see this. You got Mike Vrabel, a heck of a coach. You know about him in the Tennessee Titans. Don't know why Tennessee fired him. That was stupid. I'd hire him in a heartbeat. Jim Harbaugh, I hire him in a heartbeat. And you got the greatest coach of all time moving on from the New England Patriots. I'd hire him. So something's about to give for the Dallas Cowboys. They get any of those three guys, look out for them to finally get past their playoff blunder. Um, I will agree with y'all on the Lions. I thought the Rams were the better team, but I'm glad the Lions won. I thought the Rams looked better. I thought McVay and this young team with Poka Nakua, who is just absolutely incredible. As he said, if you got CJ Stroud here, he's a little bit below because he was incredible this year. Um, Kieran Williams, they got a lot of young talent. McVay got his juice back and his mojo back, but I'm glad the Lions won. Now the Lions will play the winner of Eagles 49ers at home. I hope the Lions make the conference championship. It'd be cool to see them there. And it'd be cool to see maybe a Bills in the Super Bowl. Maybe one of those two things are going to give and you see them uh, be competitive and win. If you if the Bills get to the Super Bowl, someone check on Bob Jaswell because he lived through the four losses. <laughs> he lived through all of them. And I watched oh. Bills versus Kansas City uh, with him. And I, I love 
Bob Jaswal, but I've never seen him so depleted. And I, I have to agree with you with Rabel. He's a he's a home run hire. That's another guy who's like, great. You want to be flashy and all that? No, I, I'm gonna go hit somebody in the face. Yeah. That's what that's what needs to be done. Um, why I got fired? I'm just gonna selfishly say you had to wear the Oilers jerseys against the Texans. You wanted to be cute, and we beat you in your house with our backup quarterback. <laughs> Don't do that. Give him yeah. a jersey back. Um, I would love to see. You know what? Why not? If it's if the Texans don't get to the Super Bowl, why not a Bills versus Lions Super Bowl? That would be fun. Come on, that would get everyone excited. Now, um, I, I do want as we don't know the matchups yet. So again, until these get next games get done, we won't know the matchups. Um, but uh, give me your favorite Rex, and then we're going to talk some coaching hires. Talk about Bill Belichick a little bit, and then we'll hit some college football and get you out of here. Um, who's your so, favorite to win it all this year? As of the teams remaining as of today. As of today, it's uh, I have to give it to the Niners at this point, just yeah. because Purdy and you know that defense is absolutely insane. C Mac is also a cheat code. Um, dark horse, I would love to see Lamar and Baltimore make it to the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to run into Kansas City. And at this point, though, you have no idea which Kansas City is going to show up, just because you can't throw it to Kelsey every single time. And Pacheco is can only carry the team for so long. But I, I have to give it to the 49ers. I mean that that team is just complete front to back if you if you haven't seen them play uh, party in that system is unstoppable mr irrelevant becoming mr spectacular at that point so i'm really excited but you know selfishly why not let's see what happens let's see what ha- i was talking to my boss the other day he's like hey could i take the monday after the super bowl off and he looked at me <laughs> like do oh, you think something's gonna happen that is that don't say it i'm not gonna say it i'm just saying can i have it can i have the day off that that day's up in litigation right now well, we're hoping that they end up winning. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be cheering for the Texans. I have no beef with any – I mean, I have no um, – what, what's the word I'm looking for? With any team. I don't have we're really the, any cheering. We're on the bandwagon, Thrift and Richard. I can make some room. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon. We're we coming. Oh, I'm a fan of D'Amico Ryans, former D.C. for the 49ers. I am too. All right, let's talk some, co- some football – not college football, but some coaches around here. First, Bill Belichick. It's it's crazy that in a 24-hour period, we had the two greatest of all time either move on from their organization or retire, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Um, but it, obviously for him, if he, he wants to get that record, which is I think like 15, 20 wins away from having the most wins as a coach. And once he gets to that, he holds every record for Super Bowls. I mean, there, there is there will be no more debate. No one will ever catch him. He'll be the greatest coach that's ever lived and ever coached in the NFL. Because also, I don't think coaches are going to want to coach that long because it is such a drooling and grueling job. Um, but talk about Belichick a little bit, um, Richard. You can you can chime in on that too. Um, it, it's just sad because this is our childhood, Rex. This is what we grew up watching, which Tom Brady and Belichick dominated, and Nick Saban the last fifteen years, and really as we hit our pinnacle of our career, or as we keep climbing in our career, they've been the sustaining success story. Every single season, we knew the Patriots and Alabama Crimson Tide. Now both of them moving on. We'll start with Bill Belichick. Uh, what does that mean? And uh, do you see him landing maybe an hour and a half away from here in Atlanta, Georgia? Are you going to make Jack Patterson happy? I, I don't know. Well, like with that breaking news cycle, I, I would tell you the former sports director brain of mine exploded because like what a week that is. Wow. But I would also have to say like objectively, that is the end of an era. I, and you're right. Like that was the gold standard ever since they, you know, the Patriots beat the, I believe it was the Rams in that Super Bowl where Adam Vinatieri also became a legend. And Tom Brady, the legend of Tom Brady was born. It was like, all right, who's taking on the Patriots? And if the Patriots get there, who's winning? 
it was crazy because Bill Belichick would win with guys who looked like nothing what you would want in a prototype whiteout, right? Right. You would have Wes Welker or Adam Adam Mandola, and then all of a sudden, you know, all these guys who were like five foot four and shorter, and all of a sudden, like just become monsters on in the Belichick system, the Patriot way, and all that. It it just became a standard. It became a gold standard, and when like. Everyone would say like, oh, there's two minutes left and Tom Brady's on the field. That's the problem. There's time on the clock in the fourth quarter. They're down a score and Tom Brady's on the field. You're going to lose the game. It's It was amazing to witness. Objectively, as a football fan, it made you mad as all get out. But it was amazing to watch. Like you, you can look back. You could do a, a several part, like the last dance on the Chicago Bulls. You could do a, a last dance kind of documentary on what uh, Bill and and Tom did. I know they have the man in the arena about Tom, but like you could do that with Bill Belichick. And how crazy is it that Nick Saban and Bill Belichick also on the on the staff at the same time with the Cleveland Browns? Now with, with Coach Saban, Alabama fans who have known nothing but winning, you're about to have a really rude wake up call come this next season because I think Kalen DeBoer is a phenomenal hire. I understand that he's not an SEC guy. I understand that he was in the Pac-12, but he's won literally everywhere. And him and his staff turned Michael Penix, who a lot of people thought was a used car with three wheels, into a Heisman finalist. The guy knows ball, and now he can recruit well in the SEC. I think at the same time, though, Alabama fans, get ready to witness maybe your first four-loss season in the near future. That has never happened in the Nick Saban era. But, like, again, for the rest of us mere mortals who, who rooted for regular teams, yeah, our coaches got fired because they lost to Bama, or we yeah. hired coaches from Bama. Like, it's the gold standard that it's done. The re- there's a reason why he has a statue at, at Brian Denny Stadium. I also thought it was kind of different that, like, people are leaving tributes to, to his statue like he passed away. Like, Coach Saban was at the press conference. Like, he's still there. I get right. that it's sad. But, you know, I think you have to realize and understand, like, era's end. And I can't, this for me, Thrift, was like, my older brothers, my older sisters, when Jordan walked away, right. finally, Chicago Bulls, and or when Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hung it up. Like, this is kind of what it feels like. Steve Young and, you know, Joe Montana not playing ball anymore. Or the triplets from the Dallas Cowboys, as we talked about, Richard. You know, when Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Emmett Smith no longer are in uniform anymore. It's weird. It's very weird. But Kalen DeBoer, unfortunately, you got to be the guy to follow the guy. But someone had to also follow Bear Bryant. So there you go. And I think he's a good hire, whether it's the absolute going to be the Saban standard. It's impossible to ask anyone to, to put up to the Saban standard. You just got to learn to turn the page. The only consistent in life is change. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy. At least we got to witness what Bill Belichick let at his prime was and what as much as I, everyone around here hated it, if you're not a Bama fan, because if Colt McCoy didn't get hurt, I promise you Texas wins that. But it's one of those things that like coach Saban and the, the standard and the prop, the, the thing that he said was it was never about results. It was never win a national championship was, was the standard be a champion, understand the process, the way he was so dedicated to that. Y'all, he has more, he has coached more first round NFL draft picks than he has losses at Bama. Mm. That, that makes no sense that it absolutely makes no sense. But what an amazing run for Coach Saban and amazing run for Coach Belichick. As far as where Coach Belichick will end up thrift, Atlanta's a really interesting spot. A lot of young talent. He has to figure out the quarterback spot, though. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Desmond Ritter's not the guy. We've seen that. I don't know if I give you Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Cordell Patterson. 
literally a video game put together. You give me a good veteran quarterback who maybe wants to win now, like a Matthew Stafford situation, Atlanta can be dangerous. I think that is a great point. Richard? I think that the Bill Belichick experiment may only work if he brings Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator. And if he convinces Dante Scarnecki to come out of retirement and be the offensive line coach. Because that's why Bill Belichick Dante's was so successful. Like 85 years old, Richard. He's no, I know. I know. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. But the Patriot dynasty worked because all the pieces worked together. The Patriot way, no days off. You had players that played. They ran through a wall for Coach Belichick. You have running backs like James White, I mean, who just had just a heroic a performance in the Super Bowl. And, and you have players that play hard for him. You look at Bill Belichick now, I don't think he can duplicate what he did in New England because they caught a lot of breaks too. Buffalo was down. Miami was down. The Jets were down most of the years. And because all the teams in the AFC East were down, they were able to win 11, 12 games every year and win the division, and they were guaranteed at least two home playoff games. Uh, but I'm going to say this, though, Richard. I know what you're saying, and they have played in a weaker division. But also you got to put this into fact. When they did fire these coaches, like from Miami and Buffalo and from the New York Jets, nobody wanted to take that job because they knew what it was going to be in store when they had to go against Bill Belichick. So they weren't getting top-notch echelon coaching, um, I think, prospects. And that's why it's been a revolving door for a lot of these teams because nobody wanted to go in there and face Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. That's a lot. And knowing you had to face them twice that season – and then everybody else in the NFL, um, it, it, they felt like that was a stranglehold on that on that division. Why would I want to even take a losing job? No matter what I do, I'm never going to be as good as Tom Brady. My quarterback's not, and I'm not going to be as good as coach as Bill Belichick. Go ahead, Richard. I, I, real quick, Richard, before you go on, I, I have to agree that yes, they caught a, they were great that the that their division was down, but that's a you problem. I'm gonna do what I, and that was kind of like the New England things. Like I'm gonna do what I. Do. Just because I have Tom Brady, who was taken in like 199th in the draft, and because I was able to figure out that Troy Brown, wide receiver, good deep defensive back in the Super Bowl, and Ben Hogan, I believe, or Ben Logan, who played lacrosse in college, was also a good wide receiver. Julian Edelman's five foot three. It's not my problem that you can't cover the guy. <laughs> so if you at this time, and the, the Jets built that super team, remember with LT and Martinez yeah. and all those guys, there, there's a part where it's like, I, I don't know what to tell you. And I love this quote that Jimmy Johnson had in his 30 for 30 for the U. My job is to coach the players hard. I can't tell the other team to play well. If you play if you play poorly, I don't know what to do with you. All I can do is coach my team to play well and win. And if you want us to stop dancing in the end zone or stop, stop celebrating or stop going to all these playoff games, I'm going to need you to look at your coaching staff, your team, your quarterback, your defense, and everyone there in your uniform and figure it out because we're going to go win. That's exactly what the New England did. And well, after and, a lot of breaks, though, like again, everyone got good draft picks in that division. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and also Tom Brady taking less money. You got players like James Harrison or Chris Long taking less money because they want to win a ring the Patriot way. You have Randy Moss coming over to New England. You know, he had like a huge record-breaking performance in 2007. Don't let that happen. Like I don't know what like. The Roger Goodell should have just said no, because we saw the freak show that was. Yeah, it was a super team. It really was. Should have went, went undefeated. 
Yeah, it should not have lost to the, the New York Giants 17 14. Oh, well, Still cannot yeah. believe that that happened, to be honest. Good with old Diary in that helmet. Yeah, having an unbelievably lucky catch. No doubt about it. it Everybody old, talks about like you got the David Tyree in 07, then in 11 was the Mario Manningham. The Manningham was just a great throw. He dropped the bucket, and Manningham just made a great catch. David Tyree should have dropped the football. For one, <laughs> the football shouldn't have even been thrown to Tyree because he was sacked. How do you get his, of all people? <laughs> Eli Manning faced uh, quarterback, able to get out of that sack. Are you kidding me? Oh, no. Like, absolutely. That should have been monstrous. But Rod Woodson's a heck of a DB. Maybe he should have done his job. But absolutely, it's one of those things that, like, I remember that Super Bowl specifically. And I'd always kind of watch the Super Bowl with my family because it was on or, like, I family members who would watch the Super Bowl just for the halftime show. After watching that, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching every single game. I don't care. Like, that was firmly like, yep. I'm an NFL fan. That's yeah. amazing. I, I was in the same boat. Um, and by the way, just uh, throwing this out there um, for all the NFL fans out there, Belichick is, is still going to be coaching somewhere. So you're, you're not getting rid oh. of him. Um, and there, there's no doubt. Um, and, and just seeing what this Patriots team, if I'm a fan, I would take that. I would swap the 03 Super Bowl, lose beating the Panthers or the 04 beating the Eagles. I switched that lo- for one of those to be a loss and take the 16 and 0. No doubt. I, maybe even the Seattle one um, as well, uh, Rich uh, Rex. So let's let's go on to some college football, and I'm yeah. going to get you out of here, Rex. Let, let's talk about we, – we, we mentioned Nick Saban moving on, and Kalen DeBoer, which I, I'm going to say this, I think is a great hire for what they were having to go out and get and replace and be the guy that replaces Nick Saban. I think that's the highest you could have gone is getting a guy like Kalen because they were on the verge of getting someone maybe like a uh, Mike DeBoer – not Mike DeBose. Um, the guy that came from Washington State. Now I'm drawing a blank. Um, Mike Price. Mike Price. I knew it was a Mike something, not Mike DeBose. Uh, Mike Price, and you know he ended up getting fired, but and then, then the Shula error started. Um, they didn't have to get that. They did get Kalen DeBoer, but I'm with you. No one's going to go 11 and one every season, 12 and 0, and win a championship every single season. They're going to have. I think in the first couple it'll be competitive. There's going to be some lulls, maybe an eight and four, nine and three season. The next year be competitive again. He'll be a great coach for Alabama. But don't expect you go from uh, Kalen DeBoer to then, I mean, from Nick Saban to another Nick Saban. The only way that was going to happen is if you wouldn't hire Kirby Smart, and he's not leaving Georgia anytime soon, I don't think. Um, but you're Texas Longhorns, made to the uh, Final Four, and honestly should have beat Washington, could have beat Washington, and maybe won a national title this year. But you return everyone. I'm wondering if you're going to return Arch Manning with Quinn Ewers coming back again. Um, you just got another Georgia receiver. It's, I mean, not Georgia, Alabama receiver, um, and Isaiah Bond. Um, let's talk about the Texas Longhorns. Let's talk about college football as a whole. Um, do you, for one, how proud of you were your Texas Longhorns this season and college football as a whole, uh, Rex? Uh, where do you think the direction's heading right now? I'm, I was super proud of what the Longhorns were able to accomplish. I mean, look, you winning the Big 12 cha- the co- uh, championship in the last year of, of us being in that in that conference, I, I really, really wanted that. Um, I, I thought winning at Bama was a great tone setter for what we wanted. And, you know, seeing guys like Xavier Knight and Adonai Mitchell do their thing, I think if Jonathan Brooks, a fully healthy Jonathan Brooks is playing in that game, we, we may see a more competitive game from the beginning. But, I mean, Washington just uh, just good night. Michael Penix looked like he should have won the Heisman. Um and at the same time, though, I think there's a lot of work to be done because Sark was also in that conversation for Bama. I, I really right. think Texas is in good position to get more guys. Um, we're seeing this exodus of Alabama commits because, look, 
it, nothing to kill him the board did, but all, all those guys went to Bama because they wanted to play for Saban. And yep. he, he absolutely decided to, you know, retire after it was completely his right. But is what it is. We'll see what DeBoer can do. As far as college football, I'm really – I was for expansion for a long time of the playoff, but I'm kind of getting why four was special. I'm understanding why four made a lot of sense. It made a lot of people mad. I thought Baylor should have been in in like the first or second edition of the playoffs. But with four, it did make it seem like the regular season meant it still had that magic. You know what I mean, Richard? Like the BCS championship, when we had that, everyone understood the system. But at the same time, it was one of those things that like you had week three mattered as much as week eight, nine, 10, 11. Now it's just like, okay, if we win this game, we'll be a seven or eight seed or we'll be a 10 seed. We don't need to go further down than 12 because, look, I love Tulane, but if we're talking about UTSA should have been in the playoff, I love that's a That's a tough hill to climb. It's going to be interesting. I am really excited, though, about um, home playoff games. I think that is a phenomenal experience for anyone to have. As far as NIL goes, um, gosh, it's tough. I, I think, again, young men and uh, even athletes, young men and women uh, across the board, it, it with the talent and drive that they have why not be able to create some capital for yourself um you know i've told people like these young men and women are also able to sign up to the military why, and they're they get paid to do that why not pay them paying playing in this sport that generates so much for their universities and that's here nor there but at the same time i think NIL does at some point need to at least give everyone on the same page because it has gotten kind of crazy um we'll see what happens uh, also, it has benefited Texas, so full disclosure, and everyone's going to throw that argument out at me. But uh, it, I think we're going to see a change. Uh, the transfer rule has killed high school recruiting so much. It is. You know, you, you we see these kids that we cover during football season that absolutely deserve shots in the SEC or the Big 12 or the, or, you know, or the Big 10. But Coach Sanders came out and said it during an interview. I'm, not, I'm taking maybe three high school kids because why would I do that versus getting a guy who spent five years in college? understands the culture i don't have to worry about him and i can just plug him and play and he'll learn the system why would i why would i sign anybody so it is tough and i hate it for the kids who are dealing with this you know blowback of what happened during covid i am glad that we got people back you know if 2020 was your senior year there's nothing you can do about it they absolutely deserve it but we we're in a weird limbo that everyone's screaming it for it to be fixed and it looks like there are solutions out there but because there's no commissioner we can't fix it in one foul sweep well, maybe there will be. Maybe Nick Saban is that's the job that he's going to take. Now I know he's, he's staying on it at Alabama, but I, I really harped on it last week when the news broke during our show, Rex. I thought that that is a job that he would most definitely take, and it's what we need right now in college football. Everything that's happening, I know people want to say it ran off the goat. Maybe it was just time. He is getting older, um, but obviously, when you got Roy Williams and Coach K and now Nick Saban, a lot of guys, Jim Harbaugh wants to go back to the NFL because he's tired of how the NCAA goes about handling their business, which is corrupt. I can't stand all the administrators and executives that are ahead, not, not talking about the schools, but more the NCAA that's in charge. It, it I know they got a new president. I don't think anything's going to change unless you get a guy like Nick Saban. 
Um, but Rex, thank you so much for joining us. Your Houston Texans uh, look like they're going to be playing the Ravens. That's if the Steelers don't upset the Bills, and then you'll end up playing against the Chiefs. Um, but I see Texans, Ravens. I know you're excited for the future. Um, Longhorn, same thing, going to go in next year as a top five, top three team to win it all, going to the SEC. By the way, welcome to the Brotherhood, man. It just it just means more, man. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, y'all doing an amazing job. Keep up the great work, y'all. And my gosh, it's been a long time since I could smile wearing Houston Tech, right? Look at that. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. And uh, by the way, me and Rex, we hopefully we can go watch some games this weekend, man. And uh, I'll make sure to put up some videos and stuff of my man Rex as they take on the Ravens. Because if it gets close in later minutes or if it's going down to the wire and the Texans have a chance, you're going to want to see my boy Rex. As he's already pulling his hair out right now. Thank you so much, man. And uh, we'll be ha hearing from you real soon again as a guest on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. Got the absolute best. Take care, boy. And that All is right, thanks, Rex Castillo of WRBL. And we appreciate him joining us. All right, R Richard, I know you got to get out of here. Let's throw up the rankings. Let's go back to the boys real quick. We'll hit the girls. Um, I know today was more about the rankings and talking with Coach Gordon. I know we hit on some topics. But on Wednesday, we're going to have Bobby Z, and that's going to be the only guest we have on as me and uh, Richard. We're going to talk about the state of the college football. We're going to talk Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia when it comes to college basketball. A lot we'll be diving into. We won't really hit on any high school basketball because that was for today's show. Out of our top ten, obviously I got Pacelli number one because they've had the toughest schedule. And if they had even just take two or three of those losses out, maybe not played a, a, a Newton or played a Sandy Creek, this team would have maybe two losses on the season. And then everybody's like, all right, well, I understand why they're number one. They're nine and five because they played five really good teams. Christian Heritage is another one. Central 19 and six. They're the third team it, between them and Auburn as the three behind Hoover. And I can't think of the other number one team, uh, Richard. I want to say it's Vestivia Hills. It, it maybe, maybe Vestivia. I know Hoover is one of them. I can't think of the. The other team, and yeah, because Coach Burkett actually used to coach at Hoover, so they that's a big one in in seven A. I mean, Thompson's still good at basketball in seven A. I mean, uh, the Enterprise won a state championship a couple years ago. I mean, there's some really good teams in seven A. Yeah. So, Richard, any thoughts on the our rankings and our our forward? That again, if Carver does beat Monroe and beat Daugherty and they finish the season undefeated, they'll be number one. Okay, because then they went through a tough region. But right now, schedule wise, I know they're sixteen and zero, but I can't put them ahead of Central and Pacelli. Yeah, we did a good job on the rankings. Like we mentioned, we only limited it to the Tri-City area, so we did not include Auburn or Valley or LaGrange. They're having great seasons. Looking at all the teams in the Chattahoochee Valley, they've just got just an amazing teams. And we were able to see Auburn in the CB Hoops Perfect Practice Fall League, and I think they're going to be one of the top teams in 7A, and they've already beaten Central. Yeah, and I, I, like you said, Central as a really good program. We we uh, we obviously already know um, about our guy uh, Jacoby Hill, but then Bryce Dawson. I mean, this team's got a lot of talent. They did lose in double overtime to a good Auburn team at Auburn and Coach Brandt Auburn. They'll they'll be Huntsville. So Huntsville is ranked number one over two. Auburn three in Central is ranked number four. So how about the wow. Auburn Tigers? They won like ten or eleven in a row. 
Um, and they're ranked now in the top four after that big win against Central. Spencer, number four, we had to move them ahead of Glenwood. Glenwood was four last week. The reason for that, Glenwood got beat by Lee Scott pretty handily, and Spencer's undefeated in their region. You got to move them up. And honestly, looking at their talent, looking at 2A, they could easily make the Final Four win a championship. Quintavious Allen's got a, a program that believes. they got a lot of confidence. They're 12-1. and one. We'll be there for Southwest as Southwest and Spencer are undefeated. We'll be there for that next week. So looking forward. We got Carver Monroe on Friday. That's a big one. Um, uh, we, we hope that Hardaway and Columbus and Shaw and Brookstone all win their games uh, this week. Russell County and Central will be there when that gets rescheduled. But I like our top ten for the boys. One, Pacelli. Two, Central. Three, Carver. Four, Spencer. Five, Glenwood. Six, Russell County. Seven, Hardaway. Columbus, eight. Shaw, nine. Brookstone, ten. And out of those teams, the first five, Glenwood, Spencer, Carver, Central, Pacelli, all I think have a chance to win a state championship. The other five, I think they can win one or two playoff games and be competitive. And I don't see them winning at all. Any final thoughts for all the boys before we move on, Richard? I mean, it was a good list. I mean, there's one team to look out for. I, I would probably have them either 11 or 12. It is Calvary Christian. Their record does not reflect the type of team that Coach Gordon has. I think that they're going to win some games in the gaps. And if Tyler Freeman continues getting 50 like he did, I mean, the Calvary is going to be a dangerous team in the gaps. And the Smith Station's having a little bit of a down year. They're 7-10. and 10. They did lose to Central. They've lost to Russell County, but they have beaten Columbus. I mean, those are some of the other teams that didn't make our rankings that we just got to consider and just keep an eye on them during the regular season to see how they do. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Calvary. Yeah, they're 7-11, but if they if they upset Creekside at some point, I may move them up because if they beat the best team in their league, regardless of their record, why wouldn't we put them up? Because that means they're one of the favorites to win it all, and that's part of our criteria when we do our top 10 rankings. So exactly. uh, thank you to Double Coverage for sharing our stuff. By the way, they put the Double Coverage magazine out, the digital one. We shared that, Rich, on George Alabama Sports Live. Uh, make sure to go click on that link, and um, you'll see we can watch all live games with us. Thank you to Jerome Bryant for – helping us out, and we partner together trying to give the most exposure possible to high school athletics around here. Um, all right, pull up the girls real quick so we can get out of here. And we'll start from 10 is Calvary Christian, 500, big win against Konos, Michaela Reed, Lily Miller. I'll, they lost to Konos in the Final Four last year. I like Calvary making it to the state championship. I like them being at number 10. Number 9, Spencer, 9-5, and five, both the Burke sisters, and they're undefeated in their region. They got a big one against Central coming up out of Macon. Spencer and, and them are both undefeated. Shaw, 11-7. and seven. Um, I know Coach Crowell said he's had a tough week. I know they lost to Hardaway. They lost in a, a buzzer beater to in Bainbridge. Um, but the Shaw Lady Girls with Tierra Tucker, I see them at least being second or third in their region, making the playoffs. And if they can host a playoff game, who knows what could happen. Coach Crowell seems really good, and I like this Shaw team. And then number seven, honestly, I probably could have moved them up a little bit higher because I honestly think in the GIAA, the St. Ampicelli Vikings, who played a really tough schedule, their four losses are against the public schools, including Harris County. I, I think they have a really good chance of winning it all. So I'd probably have them – Maybe a little bit higher, but me and Richard decided, you know what? Smith Station's really good. They're eleven and two. Central's fourteen and seven. They've been on a six-game winning streak. We got to keep them there. So number six, Smith Station, eleven and two. I think you could interchange both them, Pacelli and Smith Station. Not ready to put Pacelli in the top five, but if they continue to win and win out the rest of this year, or only have one or two losses, you'll see Pacelli in the top four. Richard, top uh, six through ten. What do you think? Yeah, there's. 
no question that, that these are the top teams. On the outside, Brookstone, Kim Ellison's got a good team. They are 8-6. and six. Uh, We'll consider them as, as they get into the GIAA play. I, I love what Calvary Christian has done with Michaela Reed. They got a big win over Konos. And Thrift, they only lost to Shaw by six points. Found out that the Shaw Lady Raiders, their strategy was to guard Michaela Reed. They, they doubled her. They tripled her at times. And you look at Pacelli, Michaela Hosley, the transfer from Northside, has made a big impact. The freshman, well, actually, no, eighth grader, Grace Smith, is having a phenomenal job for Coach Thomas and the Pacelli Lady Vikings. And you're looking at the other uh, list. you got Smith Station, Central, Glenwood, Harris County, Carver, yeah, I'm, I'm with Hardaway. You. I agree with all them, but I know you're reading, reading off. Sorry about that. Um, Central number five, Jabria Lindsay, the best player in the city. Uh, no hands down. Um, and I like Central as they beat Auburn. They've beaten Smith Station. Central, I know they got seven losses. They played a tough schedule. Rogetta Williams and the Red Devils. Watch them to make a Final Four run next year, especially when you've got someone like Jabria Lindsay. Glenwood at number four. Um, they're the favorite to win it all. So, honestly, we could have moved them up even higher. It's The problem is the other three teams in their league also have a chance of winning it all in bigger leagues. But the exactly. Glenwood Gator and Coach Purdue, to Kayla Davis, uh, Anna Grace Griggs, who I think is the most improved player in the city, to Kayla Davis, a double walking double-double, Palmore, uh, they just took Lee Scott to the woodshed. They've been on a winning streak ever since they lost the game in Tennessee. And uh, the Glenwood Get Lady Gators are a favorite to win it all. They're the number one team in the AISC. They're number four. Number three is Coach Stephanie Ramsey Dunn and her Harris County Tigers. Undefeated in region play. They're going to win the region. They may only finish with two or three losses all season. They'll be a number one seed. They'll be ranked in the top five as they should be. And I think Harris County has a really good chance, the Lady Tigers, at winning a championship with Brooke Bass and Janai and Jani Broom. I mean, they got an inside presence in Broom. They got a girl that can get us any shot she wants in Bass at three. Number two, Chubb Williams, um, Aubrey Wilkins, uh, and, and the talented uh, Carver Tigers that are deep with Coach Anson Hunley. I know they're eleven and five, but again, another they played Play a really tough tough schedule. schedule. Uh, again, uh, Coach Hunley, they put them in every classic you known to man. They've only lost in the, this area has been to the Hardaway Hawks, who are number one. But the Carver Tigers in 3A, they're ranked in the top five. Expect them to be a favorite to win it all. And they got a big one against Monroe, who's a really good team. Just like Carver boys and girls are ranked number two and three, Monroe boys and girls are both ranked really high and really good. Um, so that's going to be a good game on Friday. So Carver number two and, of course, number one is the most talented team in our area, Adeja Burrell, A.K. Shelton, um, and Michaela Johnson, the three-headed monster, the Hardaway Hawks. Four losses are against two above-average, really talented teams. Hardaway, the favorite to win it all in 4A. They're number one in all rankings. Richard, give your thoughts on the last on the top five. Oh, yeah, we've got this rankings down. Uh, Hardaway is ahead of Carver because they did defeat Carver in the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament. But Hardaway has been not only beating good teams but dominating good teams. They were able to blow out Shaw on their home court. They beat Cairo. I mean, they have just done an incredible job. They've beaten Westover. And it looks like they're going to run away with their region, get a number one seed, host the region tournament, host two playoff games, and make a deep run and possibly not only get back to the Final Four or get back to the championship. Because Coach Kelly Ellison has got just about the same team that was 
on the Final Four team last year, the Hardaway Hawks. There's just no question. They're all juniors, and they're coming back again. Yeah, year, Richard. And you know, they got four losses because in the beginning of the season, they scheduled a lot of tough opponents. I mean, this yeah. team is dominant. Yeah, no doubt. And so these are top ten. Pull up the boys real quick before we get out of here, Richard. Um, and if you can, pull up the broadcast schedule after this one. Pacelli, Jadence Ford is putting up close to 25 a game against Lee County and Sandy Creek. Lee County, a top five 6A school. Sandy Creek, the number one 3A school. He had 40 points. 33, uh, average four, close to 40 points. 33 against Sandy Creek. 46 against Lee County. So against top-notch competition, Jadence Pookie Ford is putting on a show, and he is by far one of the top players in this city and state. He'll be definitely playing at the next level. You have Makai Williams and Matthew Melvin and AZ Justy. you got big athletic um, power forwards that can guard anyone and switch with anyone. TJ Smith, who had 19 excuse me, 20 against Sandy Creek. He's coming into his own. He's averaging 17, 18 a game. Um, they're a talented team. And honestly, I think they're more talented than they were last year, but they do miss the leadership of Cam Ellis at certain points. But Pacelli, 9-5, and five, Coach Corey Black, number one team. And I think they're the favorite to win in GIAA. I do want to throw this out there. Stratford, who did lose to Glenwood, just got back the player last year that averaged 22 a game and was the one that got fouled at the end that I did not agree with that hit the free throws to beat Pacelli in the state championship game. Khalil Green, who's one of the top 10 players in the state, top 15, is back at Stratford. So it looks like Stratford Pacelli, we may get a part two in that championship, and it'll be happening at Columbus State. Just wanted to throw that out there. Central two, Carver three, Spencer four, Glenwood five. Broadcast schedule for the rest of this week. Of course, we had tonight's show, and then tomorrow we got Glenwood taking on Springwood. I did get notice um, that CVCC women's were supposed to play Lawson State. Because of the weather, Alabama Community College Conference decided to can't postpone the game. So that game has been postponed. So we will not have a CVCC women's game like it said on the schedule, but we will have Glenwood Springwood. Um, Glenwood girls should handle Springwood girls, but Glenwood boys and Springwood boys are ranked two and three in the state respectively. So that's going to decide who's the second best thing behind Lee Scott. Can't wait for it. Noah Shelton. Just want to, he's a, he's a guy you're going to hear a lot. He's um, Richard been a part of, George Alabama Sports live here the last couple of weeks, and we appreciate him. It's a guy that was a play-by-play -play announcer for the Chattahoots. He did state championship games last year for the Glenwood Gators, um, and he'll be joining us as a part of our team, and he'll be doing the girls' game. I'll be doing the boys, so you'll see no and hear from him on Tuesday. On Wednesday, George Alabama Sports live show, Bobby Z of the Press Box is joining us to talk Packers, 49ers, and more NFL. Just going to be chopping it up with Bobby Z. Cannot wait to have a guy, a former mentor of mine. Can't wait to have him back on Thursday. Richard, I guess we couldn't find the graphic. Thursday, CBCC, Reed State. Um, CBCC at home, Reed State. Richard, you'll be on the call for that one. Friday, Carver Monroe. Boys and girls should be highly competitive for the boys. It's two top 10 teams for the girls. It's two top 20 teams. You're not going to want to miss it. Friday night and Saturday, Harris County Shaw. That should be a competitive boys game. And the girls, Sierra Tucker taking on Brooke Bass. You couldn't want a better matchup. That is Saturday. And then Sunday, the Pacelli Coaches Show. All on George Alabama Sports Live Facebook page and YouTube channel. Make sure to like and subscribe. 
Thank you to Chris Gates and Toy Garf, our producers, that make all of this possible. And if you would like to be a sponsor, please reach out. We are looking for that. As we got baseball season coming up, and we're going to be having a baseball media day, we'll be talking um, with – you know, several of the coaches on when the best date is, but we're thinking early February. So you're not going to want to miss out on that because we're going to be covering baseball just like we have with basketball. Um, Richard, don't worry about the graphic. Come back here. And um, any final thoughts on tonight, today's show? Yes. Uh, great show. Uh, Coach Gordon, Rex Castillo from WRBL were our guests. Uh, I thought it was just an amazing show. We just continue grinding here at Georgia Alabama Sports Live because uh, Thrift, you and I know we, we, we both love sports, and we just had a busy weekend of sports, and we, we actually got sporting events going on right now as we speak on this MLK Day. I mean, we got, I mean, afternoon basketball in the NBA. Hawks were playing the Spurs. I mean, last time I checked, they were blowing them out, uh, but I, I was really disappointed they blew, got blown out by the Wizards over the weekend. Um, I just... I'm really starting to believe that the Hawks need to move off of Quinn Snyder and go in a different direction. I think that's lunacy. I can't believe you said that, Richard. I don't mean to call you out. Not firing yeah. Quinn Snyder. Move on from DeJounte Murray. Obviously, him and Trey Young can't play It together. just didn't work. And yeah, then it's find a wing player, get rid of Hunter, and just reset with Trey Young again. You already got rid of John Collins. That group obviously didn't know how to win together, even though they made that conference uh, run. But – We'll talk NBA here because I really don't want to hit on it too hard right now as we get past the trade deadline. That's when we'll start going hard NBA, especially heads into the playoffs. Um, but NFL-wise, we'll talk about that and the playoffs and uh, who's playing who and give our predictions with Bobby Z um, and anything else. Uh, Richard, we will also have the um, – we'll talk – we did high school basketball this week, I mean, today. So we won't hit on high school basketball, Richard – We'll talk college basketball, and we'll hit on Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia when it comes to college football and recruiting and everything else. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we will see y'all on Tuesday, Glenwood, Springwood, and Georgia, Alabama Sports Live Show on Wednesday. From Richard Aldridge, I'm Thrift Andrews saying good night and stay classy.